2 Kings chapter number 3, 2 Kings chapter number 3, and uh, we'll start there tonight. Now, we are going to continue the message we started last week, the conquest. I'm not for sure who or, or who has the papers from last week, but here are some extras, uh, papers to follow along here tonight. And uh, the conquest is from Elisha. Have it? No? All right. And last week we talked about the coming. Here you go. And uh, who came? That was the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom. They came. Then we see the credentials. The credentials of who? It wasn't the credentials of who, of, of those that were coming. It was the credentials of who they went to. Who did they go to? They went to Elisha. They had a problem. <clears throat> Here they were. They needed some water. They needed something to something to take care of their their people, and they were afraid that they might would die. And so, <clears throat> somebody makes a suggestion. Hey, is there someone here that is that has the word of the Lord? Is there a prophet of the Lord? Yeah, there's somebody. His name is Elisha. Let's go down there. He's the one that poured water for Elijah. The servant's king or the servant is the one that saw that or understood that. So now we've covered, a, we've covered some ground. So we're going to continue to read. And verse number 13 is where we're going to start. We're just going to go from there and I'll read. We'll read as we go, okay? <clears throat> verse number 13. So here they are. They came. They, the, who, who came? The king of Israel, King Jehoshaphat, and the king of Edom. Uh, who did they come to? They came to Elisha. All right, so let's look at the censer. All right, verse number 13. Here they are, they're standing with Elisha. And Elisha said unto them, said unto the king of Israel, What have I to do with thee? Get thee to thy prophets of thy father, and to the prophets of thy mother. And the kings of Israel said unto him, Nay, for the Lord hath called me these, these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. <coughs> Excuse me. So look at this. So number three, the censor. And that word censor means the blaming or the finding of fault. So what, what, who is to blame for this situation? Who is to blame for them to be in the middle of the valley with needing something to drink, okay? So here they are, all the king's men, all the cattle... All of their, all of their, all, everything that they have is in the valley and they need water. They need something to drink. They're about to die. They, they've gone too far and they can't go back because there is no water to go back to. They're in a place where they absolutely, there is no hope for nothing else. And so who is to blame for this? And so Elisha tells who is to blame. Verse 13. Elisha said unto the king of Israel, who's the king of Israel? Thank you. Thank you. Jehoram. Jehoram is the king of Israel. And he says, hey, bud, it's your fault. He says, what have I to do with thee? It is your fault. It's your fault. Because who did he go to? Did he go to God for advice? Did he ask God where to go and when to go and, and who to go with? He didn't ask God where to go. 
He just went on his own. He didn't consult the prophet of God, and yet God still sent the prophet of God to be down there with him. But I want you to see this. He says in this verse, in 13, he says, he says, get thee to the prophets of who? Thy father. And the prophets of thy mother. Who is the prophet of his father? Who is his father? King Ahab. Okay? So he told him to go to the prophets of his father. Who is, who is the prophets of King Ahab? Who did Ahab worship? Who did, he, who did Ahab worship? Baal. Baal, Baal. He was a worshiper of Baal. Remember Baal. how at Mount, Mount Carmel that uh, Elijah had to prove that God was God and it wasn't Baal and uh, it wasn't who they thought it was. Uh, it, they had been worshiping Baal. Now you understand in the first chapter of this as we read last week in verse number two, look with me there. And he wrought evil in the sight of the Lord. This is talking about Jehoram. But not like his father and, and, his, and like his mother, for he put away the image of Baal that his father had made. So he had put away Baal, the image of Baal, but he still chose to worship Baal at some times. When it, when it, when it suited him good, he served God, or when he worshiped God. When it suited him better, he suited Baal. And so when Elisha looks at him, he says, it's your fault you're in this mess. Because you didn't consult God. You didn't go to the God of Israel. You went to the God of your father. And you went to the God of your mother. Now, why don't you go to them and get them to solve this problem? He says, look, hey, bud, you went to them to get this advice to go. Then you need to get them this advice to know what to do next. (coughs) You're at fault. Do you know many times in our situations that we have, it's our fault why we're there? Why we're there, what we're doing? Because we didn't consult the right person. Jesus. Sometimes it's our fault. Sometimes it's our fault. (coughs) We'll look in the same verse. The king of Israel, which is Jehoram, he said unto him, Nay, For the Lord had called these three kings together. Stop. Who called these three kings together? Jehoram says that God did. But he didn't ask God. He didn't go to God for that. This is him just saying, "Ah, the Lord brought us together. No, he's blaming God. So not only does he want to just go to God when it's convenient for him, but he also wants to blame God when things go bad. It's God's fault. He put us three together. Isn't that, isn't that so true? It's God's fault. We immediately want to place a lot, not a lot, not everybody, but sometimes we, we want to place the blame on God. Well, it's God's fault. It's not mine. Ain't nothing I could do. No, sometimes it's ours. So we see the censor. Let's get to, let's get to number four, the concert. The concert? What in the world are you talking about? Look at this. He has a concert. Verse number 14. And Elisha said, As the Lord of the host liveth, before whom I stand, surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would not look, look toward thee, nor see thee, 
but now bring me a minstrel. And it came to pass when the minstrel played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. What is a minstrel? Bring me a minstrel. An entertainer? Music? That's right. What, what would be considered a, someone who was playing a harp? He'd come in, give me somebody to come play the harp. Music to set the, stone, set the tone. Why, why do you think that he would ask for music at this time? Why do you think? Anybody have any thoughts? Why would he ask for music? Why, why would Elijah, the prophet of God, ask excuse me, for some music? Please God. Okay, please God. To soothe the spirit. You think about this for just a moment. <coughs> Put yourself in Elijah's shoes. Here you are standing before a couple kings. They're distraught. They don't know what to do. And they've come to you. Well, you've got to fix this problem, bud. It's God's fault. Nay, God's the one that put us together. What kind of spirit's going on in that place? <coughs> not a right spirit. And so... so Elisha says, bring me somebody to play some music. And they played the music. And the Bible says in that verse, in verse 15, when the ministerial played, the hand, that the hand of the Lord came upon him. Music is to set the tone for this place. Not only is it to set the tone for this place, but look, it's to set the tone for our church service. You know what happens up here on the platform? It's not a performance. It's not, it's not, uh, it's not hey, pat that guy on the back because that was good. It is to bring honor and glory and set the tone for the preaching that will take place. It's to ask the glory of God to come down and to get our spirits right, and to get our soul right, and to get our, the spirit of the church right. That's why you have singing in church. That's why you have music being played in church. It's so that it set the tone, and the spirit will come down. Not to bring glory and honor to man. When the glory and the honor is in the man then it's not in the right place. Nope. Music is not. Hey! And there's good. I like to, yeah, I like to clap. I don't mind that. But if that's what we're doing it for, that's not what the music is for. Music's to set the tone. Music has an effect. Many people say that music doesn't affect me. Ah, music doesn't affect me. Ungodly music affects people. Godly music affects people. 
Did you know that there's right music and wrong music to listen to? There's good music that you ought to listen to and there's music that you ought not listen to. You know, Bible is very, uh, it's, it's important that we understand this, that here he said, hey, bring, a, bring somebody to play some music so we can get a right spirit in this place. I've been in places and the music is terrible and the spirit never gets there because the music doesn't ever set the tone. And I've been in place where the music was beautiful and the Spirit of God wasn't a, was in a 10-mile radius of the place. Because it's not about how good it sounds. It's about what it's doing when it brings honor to God. So... Keep your marker there in 2 Kings, but I want you to turn with me to a couple different texts. I'm going to do just a brief study and we'll get back here, okay? Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. <clears throat> Colossians chapter number 3. We're going to go off base just a little bit, but I want to take this music and talk about music for just a moment. <clears throat> Colossians in the New Testament after the book of Philippians. Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 16. The Bible says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. So we see in, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, he tells us that there's three different types of music. There's psalms, there's hymns, and there's spiritual songs. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Go back two books. Galatians, Ephesians. Galatians, Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 19. <coughs> the Bible says in verse number 19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So we see in two different texts in Colossians chapter 3 and, and uh, Ephesians chapter 5, <coughs> There's three different songs. There's a song, there's psalms, there's hymns, there's spiritual songs. If you go back to the story of, of David and King Saul, you remember when he went in and played for King Saul and he soothed the spirit of King Saul. It's important that we understand that there's music out there that's good. And there's music that out there that is out there that is bad. And just because it has the name Christian beside it doesn't mean that it's good. I could take, <clears throat> I could take some Christian alcohol and everybody would be okay with it, huh? Just because it has the name Christian on the side of it doesn't mean that it's right. There's people that are clothed in righteous clothes in righteousness that are never clothed in righteousness. 
There's music being written today that are, that are supposedly Christian artists that are not Christian artists. There's a psalm, there's a hymn, and there's a spiritual song. Your music needs to have three of those, one of those three. If it, if it is not a spiritual song that helps you, encourages you, and strengthens you, if it's not a song, a spiritual song, a, a, what, a hymn, a hymn that sings the songs, uh, uh, then also uh, Psalms. The book of Psalms is, is a lot of words uh, that are sung that you can put to music. You got that? What you think? Turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 7. I know we're chasing around just a minute, but we're going to get there. So the Bible gives us a clear instruction to psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So that's singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. That's what we need to do. That's how we need to praise God. This is what took place at, at that place. It soothed the Spirit, and the Spirit of God came down because of the music. Ecclesiastes chapter number 7 and verse number 5. Look at verse number 5. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse number 5. The Bible says, It is better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man to hear the song of who? Of the fools. So we understand in the Bible there's psalms and there's hymns and there's spiritual songs. And then lastly, there is something that is called the song of the fool. The song of the fool is written by a fool. And the fool has said, There is no God. The fool hath said, the fool is the one that says there is no God. The Bible also says the fool is someone who makes a mock at sin. So if a fool, a man who doesn't believe in God, a man who makes a mock at sin, writes music, what would that tell you it would be? A song of the fool. So your music that you listen to on a daily basis or a weekly basis or a monthly basis falls into one, four of, one of four of those categories. What does your song fall under? What does your music fall under? There is music that tears down. And there is music that builds up. And it's important that we put in our ears something to help build us up. When he brought that guy out there, he didn't bring out a huge band. He didn't bring something that was massive and, and loud and, and uh, wicked music. He brought something that was soothing and that would uplift him and that it would bring the Spirit of God. There's music that we listen to in our vehicles that we should never listen to because we would never want it in church. So why would we listen to it in our cars? The Bible says that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Now I know we're going... We're <laughs> the song of the fool. Where does your music fall under? One of those four. It's better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man to hear the song of the fool. I'm just saying, when he, brought out a, when he brought out someone to minister to him by music, he didn't bring out someone who was playing the song of the fool. He brought out someone who was playing a psalm or hymn or it's a spiritual song. Something to help him, something to encourage him, 
something to bring the Spirit of God. There's a lot of churches, a lot of places that don't have the Spirit of God and won't have the Spirit of God because of the music that they have in their churches. Okay. Anybody have any questions? All right. Let's... Yes, ma'am. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse number 5. Verse number 5. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 5. Anybody have any questions, comments, before we move on to point number 5? Music is important. Music is very important. I listened to a guy speak one time. His name is Marvin Smith. He has a boy's home. and I know I need to get moving on because it's 10 till 8. So uh, <clears throat> he has a boy's home in, in uh, Iowa. <clears throat> and one time he, he deals a lot with spiritual warfare. Uh, very, very good stuff. Uh, Marvin Smith is his name. But anyways, one time he said, I listened to him preach, and he said, <clears throat> he was dealing with a young man who had lots of issues that were going on in his life, a lot of rebellion and things of that nature. Well, um, they had taken some music because uh, any anytime they go to that boy's home, they have to have approved music and things of that nature as they go in to their boy's home. And so he had the music that was taken from the boy and it was in his office. And that morning he was working and he, <clears throat> he was sitting there working. And all of a sudden he said, I could really feel oppression of Satan and, and uh, the evil fight against Satan going on in my office. I didn't know what it was. And he said, I got up and I was <clears throat> trying to figure out what it was. And he said, I came across this box and it was this box of music sitting there. And uh, he picked that music up and he began to look, <clears throat> just file through the music just to see what it was. And, and uh, the one on the top, he saw the, a certain name. And I don't know the name of the artist. He didn't, I can't even remember if he told the name of the artist. But anyway, so he said, he, uh, he took it and he uh, asked the lady <clears throat> and, and uh, his secretary to get that box out of there, throw it away, put it in the trash or whatever, do something with it. And uh, he did some research on that artist that was the CD that was there, there, <clears throat> and that every CD that they sell, every CD that they sell, they pray over to Satan. That he'll possess, oppress anybody who comes across their music. You tell me, is that Song of the Fool or Song of Psalm and Hymn and Spiritual Song? There's music out there that not, 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 not Christian, any Christian listen to. Because it's filthy. And it's written by a song of the fool. It's written by a fool. There's good music out there. There is. Lots of it. But there's also a lot of bad music out there too. All right. Anybody? Question? <clears throat> All right. Number five. Number five. The command. Look at the command. Look what he commanded them to do. Uh, verse number 15, the Spirit of God came upon them. Verse number 16, because of the music that was being played. Verse number 16, he said, Thus saith the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. Make this valley full of ditches. For thus saith the Lord, you shall not see wind, neither shall you see rain. Yet the valley shall be filled with water that you may drink, both ye and your cattle and your beast. 
He said, you're not supposed to, look, go dig some ditches. Dig some ditches. <clears throat> now, I, I, as, I, as I think about this, and we'll read the rest of the story here in just a moment, <clears throat> but they had to be serious about digging ditches because if they would have dug one ditch, and you'll see in just a moment what happens and the water comes, and there's a whole bunch of water that comes. It's kind of like a flash flood warning type thing that happened. And a, and a bunch of water comes, but if they wouldn't have had those ditches, all that water would have just ran right through and there would still be nothing left. And so he told them to go dig some ditches that there would be enough water for all their cattle and for all the men. So think about the persistence that had to take place. Think about their, their, uh, their uh, going out there and beginning to dig a ditch. Or how big of a ditch am I supposed to dig? And Am I only supposed to dig one ditch? No, he said, make the valley full of ditches. And so they went out and made hundreds of ditches all over the place. So they would catch that water as it come through. Now, I don't know that I completely understand or would, would even be like, okay, why, why do you want us to dig a ditch? No, he said, that's saith the Lord. And so when God tells us to do something, we shouldn't ask. We shouldn't. Well, I don't know. I don't know if I ought to. God told me to do it. I need to do it. The command of God. They were persistent. Not only were they persistent, but they immediately did it. They had prompt. They were prompt in doing it. They, they were hard work digging ditches. Digging ditches is not for the weak of, weak of mind, huh? That was a command. Let's look at the consequence. Number six, and we'll be done. Well, we'll fly that way. We'll about be done. All right. <clears throat> Verse number 20. And it came to pass in the morning when the meat offering was offered. This, was, this meat offering was something that they did every morning. This was something that they did at sunrise daily. Verse number 20. And they offered that, and behold, there came water. Where did the water come from? Water came by the way of Edom, and the country was filled with Water And when all the Moabites heard that the kings uh, were come up to fight against them, they gathered all of them that were able to put on their armor and upward and stood in the border. But stop for just a moment. The consequence of them digging ditches. A lot of times Christ will put forth a promise and he'll say, If you do this, I will do this. A lot of times Christ asks us to do something and then he will fulfill that promise or fulfill that desire or fulfill that prayer or fulfill that, that, that thing that takes place. But hard work and persistence and keep going and going and going, that's what brought the consequence of the water coming. The water came because of the persistence and the hard work and listening to the command. Look, not only do we know this about the consequence, but it was a sure delivery. And it came to pass, verse number 17, For thus saith the Lord, Hey, you're not going to get what you need to get until you do what you need to do, what I told you to do. <coughs> not only was it a sure delivery, but it was a sufficient delivery. Look in verse number 20. And it came to pass when the water was... <clears throat> I'm sorry. There came water by the way of Edom, and the country was filled with water. There was enough water for all the beasts. There was enough water for them to drink, for all the men. It came at the right time. It came at the right time when they needed that water. 
the miracle, look, the miracle was not to entertain these people, but to enable them what was to happen next. Because here came the water, and what took place next? The conquest. What's the conquest? This is what we've been talking about. This is what we've been trying to get to all evening. Finally, here we go. Verse number 22. So the Moabites, verse 21, they're at the border. And they rose up early in the morning, and the sun shone upon the water, and the Moabites saw that the, on the other side of the water, on the other side as red as blood. They thought there was blood in the water. They thought there was so much that there, there, there was so much redness in the water, they thought it was blood. Verse 23, and they said, This is blood, the kings are surely slain. They have smitten one another, now therefore Moab to, to the spoil. So this is what they thought. Hey, these guys are killing each other down there on the other end of this river. We're just going to go down there and, and knock them off. Because they, they woke up, they got up in the middle of the night, and they got all upset at each other. Those three kings probably said something, and they started a fight. And here we are, we're going to go down there and take care of them because there's blood in the water, and we know they're killing each other. <laughs> Verse 24, And when they came to the camp of Israel, the Israelites rose up. And smote the Moabites, for they fled, so that they fled before them. But they went before, forward, smiting the Moabites even in their country, and they beat down the cities on every good piece of land, cast every man his stone, and filled it. And they stopped all the wells of water, and filled all the good trees only in Kadars. Seth uh, left they the stones thereof. Howbeit the slingers went about it and smote it. <coughs> what just happened? They beat the Moabites because of the water. Who brought the water? God did. That's right. God brought water. Because the Israelites listened to the command, the consequences came and they got water. And then the conquest came and they won against the Moabites because they decided to follow God. That's right. I'm going to land this plane and we're going to go home. And you guys are probably saying, hallelujah. He's been going forever. That's a good, good, lesson. good lesson. You'll never have conquest if you don't listen to the command. The command? Well, I don't understand. Why do I got to dig a ditch? I don't know. I don't know why do I got to dig a ditch, but dig a ditch. I don't know why God said go tell people about the gospel. Oh, they don't work. I ain't seen nobody saved. I don't know why. Well, just do what you're told to do and be persistent and keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going and the consequences will come and then you'll have the conquest that God will give you if you just stay persistent in doing what God's called you to do. Amen. Be persistent. Just keep going. Just keep doing it. Amen. Hard work. Hey, Christian, there a command that you don't like to listen to? Let's do it. Let's do it. Amen. 
What about your music? When we come into church, I know that we ought to, we ought to have some good music to set, set the tone for church. But realistically, you ought to be ready for church when you get here. Right? right? And so when the music does play and the Spirit of God does move, it makes it so much better. Amen. Right? right? But you can't be jamming out to wickedness coming in and come in here and get a blessing like you ain't never got before. That's right. You say, are you talking about my music? I don't know if I am or not, but <laughs> what kind of music you be listening to? So that rap. <laughs> <laughs> there's stuff that you ought not listen to. And there's stuff that you ought to. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for allowing us to be together tonight. I pray that you've used me.